stopped on that dusty road on their direction to Emmaus, that small little village community. And while they were going, their heads were bowed in disbelief of what had occurred in the days just previous. They had seen it all happening like this gathering storm, and their minds could not reconcile all of the events that they had encountered. They were downcast. They could not process it all. And so they were sharing with each other about the nature of how their lives had come apart when this stranger joined them on the path. And he asked them very simply, what is it that you're talking about? And when they spoke to him and tried to share with him the simplest story of what had gone on, they were amazed that he had not heard. And yet he spoke back to them and said, don't you understand? And he began to open the scriptures to them, making this connection between who Jesus was, the one that died on the cross, and the one that was prophesied in the Hebrew scriptures. They couldn't see it on their own, but he helped them along that path to understand better. So much so that when they were ready to stop for supper and to go in for the evening, and he was about to go on his way, they said, won't you come and eat with us at least tonight? Stay here at this house. And when he came in, he broke the bread with them. And in that moment, in that moment, they knew that it was Jesus that was very present in that place. He disappeared from their midst. They could not take it. They had to get on the road to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples what had occurred. They wanted Peter to know up front what had occurred that day in that house. And so by the time they got to Jerusalem and were speaking the words to Peter, they barely had gotten the words out of their mouths when who would show up again? It's just like Jesus to do that. There Jesus was. There in their midst, Jesus presenting himself again in order that they might know firsthand his love and his care and the reality of this resurrected Lord. I think he was concerned that they wouldn't get it. I mean, this good news, you know. I'm I'm afraid that what he was concerned most about was that somehow they would not get it and that they would simply miss the beauty of what was going on. My dad was here in town a week before last. Some of you had the chance to see him when he was here. By the way, his hearing seems to be better with his new hearing aid. Several of you have asked me about that, and we are very hopeful about it. While he was here, we had the opportunity to go fishing one day. Barry Blozier invited us out to his pond, Barry's and Tony's pond out there. We actually have a mark on about six ponds in this area, so just know that we're coming in your direction shortly. (laughs) But Barry's was first on the mark. This time, Barry had been in the office, and he said, why don't y'all come out and fish a little bit? So we went out, and Barry, we had not been there very long. We were headed out to the dock, and I could tell Barry was watching us, And he said, y'all go have fun now. And so we were out on the dock. We had begun to toss our hooks into the water. And and I could tell Barry was concerned. And he hollered at us and he said, I know they're out there. And I said, I know they are too. And so we kept tossing the hooks out. 
And uh, it wasn't enough for Barry. Uh, Barry said again, he said, I know they're out there. And he was coming toward the dock at this time. And when he got to the dock, I noticed that he had this this cup in his hand. And with just a toss, he cast this fish food out on the water. He said, I know they're out there. And with that, some of them began to show up, you know, and eat what was there floating on top of the water. And he said, here they come. And he said, toss your hook out there. And so we began to toss the hook out there. No response from the fish at this point. This was not good for Barry. Barry Barry said, I know they're out there. You can see them out there. He said, here, give me your hook. And so Barry began to bait our hooks in order to get the fish's attention. That wasn't good enough. That wasn't good enough because the fish still weren't paying attention. He left the dock, went to get his fishing pole, came back out on the dock, baited it himself, put it in the water, caught a fish, handed the pole to my daddy. He said, I know they're out here. It's going to happen, going to happen. He he was so invested in making sure that we got it, that it was a good day for fishing. And, oh, it was. And the fish began to cooperate at that point. But it was Barry that I was so fascinated with. What a blessing it was to see someone who could not be satisfied unless it was happening the way it's supposed to happen, the way it's supposed to happen. When Jesus came to those early disciples, he sought not just simply to be this interpreter of Scripture for them. He wanted to help them connect the dots. He wanted life to happen as he had planned that it would happen. This is the reason that he died on the cross. This is the reason that he was raised from the dead. And so he began to share with them what they really already knew. They were steeped in Scripture. They could not see it, though. He spoke to them of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Who knows what he referred to in that conversation with them? I know that he must have referred to to Psalm 22, perhaps even. You remember, he, he referred to it himself on the cross as he was, as he was dying on the cross. He spoke these very words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But don't you get it? This is, this is his reference to the entirety of the Psalm where he goes on in his thought. And hopefully in ours, we would make the connection. You are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our ancestors trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your calls to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Don't you see, Jesus was making these connections. He knew that Scripture was being played out even as he was himself hanging there on the cross. Isaiah 53, who can read this without thinking about Jesus? I suppose there are some that would say that's not what it's talking about. But anyone who knows Jesus knows that these words certainly were written in reference and certainly have been interpreted for the last 2,000 years as a Christological reference to Jesus himself. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carries our diseases, yet we account him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. 
But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises, we are healed. Does that not sound like Jesus? Come on now. Does that not sound like Jesus? You and I are looking through the eyes of Jesus, through all that he has given to us. It should refocus all of life for us. And these Hebrew scriptures are just the beginning for us of where we would begin to see Jesus in the midst of all of life. Hosea chapter 6, verse 2. These words are written. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. Some might say, well, that's not actually talking about Jesus. Get over it. Get over it. For those who know Christ, who are known by Christ, regardless of what the original meaning may have been, there is no way that that scripture does not fill us to overflowing with the presence of Jesus. His resurrection so real. What was it that Jesus told them? Could he have possibly referred to Jonah? You say to yourself, what does Jonah have to do with Jesus? How many days was Jonah in the whale's belly? Does anybody remember that? Three days in the belly of that whale before he was spit up on the shore. How many days Jesus was in the tomb? Just happens to be three. Can you read anything? It's not connected with Jesus anymore. Jesus was connecting the dots for them. Handel, George Frederick Handel so totally, so totally got this. George Frederick Handel, when he was writing that great oratorio, Messiah, referred so many times to the Hebrew Scripture over and over again. You remember these. You remember that he even referred to a passage in Job, the 19th chapter. You remember that soprano solo sung in the third section of Messiah. I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand. Handel, everything he read was turning toward Jesus. Everything that he was about was this discovery of Christ's presence. Jesus, when he shared the scriptures with the disciples, was trying to bait their hooks. I guarantee you he was doing that. He was trying to bait their hooks in order that they would get it, that they would be Filled to overflowing with the good news. He said, you are witnesses. It's got to happen. You are the witnesses. You're the ones that have the message. You are the ones that must share the message with the world. The message of Christ, his death and resurrection. The message of repentance and forgiveness. He said, stay here. Pray over this. And be filled with the power of it. 
the Spirit will come and help you. Some people take this all all too seriously. They don't seem to understand that Jesus is a part of life, but he really is to stay here in this section that we call church and not in this section that we call work or in school or even in certain family situations because we've got to keep life divided in the right and proper ways. But some people don't get that message so that Jesus begins to get all mixed up in these other things. I was in Office Depot three weeks ago when Jesus showed up. He was in the clearance section. I was back there. I was back there at the back corner right of the store, and I was just looking for some discount index cards. And Jesus showed up there. There was a couple that was next to me, a young couple, And they were scanning the shelves of the clearance section as well. But when I got there, they became disinterested in their mission. I didn't. I was looking for index cards. But the young man turned to me and he said, are you a Christian? I... I said to him immediately, yes, I am a Christian. Are you a Christian? And he said, yes, I am. He said, I'd like to talk with you about Jesus. I said, this is good. (laughs) And he began to share with me just so beautifully there about Christ in his life. And I said, I want to know, I want to know, where you're from. Are you from Statesboro? And he said, no. He said, we actually are living in Jessup, but we're up here just for the day. He, I said, but where are you from? And he said, well, he said, we've traveled around. I could tell that his uh, wife is someone that he had met in another country. He said that he had been in the military and that they had most recently been uh, been out in Texas, but now they were here in this community and were a part of a church in Jessup. And uh, the conversation was just fascinating as they began to share about Christ in that place. They were so filled with the idea that Christ could show up in Office Depot. I had never thought about Christ showing up in the Office Depot before. But there he was, so very present. And I said to the couple, I said, you need to know that you're talking to a pastor. And immediately a great smile broke across his face. He said, can we pray here? We had prayer meeting going on in Office Depot. We circled hands and he began praying the most beautiful prayer for me and for them and for the church and for the mission of Christ. Let me tell you, Christ showed up that day. And I was filled to overflowing with the good news. What a blessing it is to know 
Christ wishes to be that real. We get a little distance on Easter. You see, we're seven weeks out now. And we forget the passion of that day and even the passion of the story. I say Christ is risen. He said, he is risen indeed. No, come on. I say Christ is risen. You say what? Yeah, that's kind of halfway there. I say Christ is risen. We're just about there. Let's try it again. Christ is risen. Yes, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Amen. And so isn't it our, isn't it our, he's at the door, the door opened. <laughs> he's here, the Elijah chair. We, we know that he's present. He is real. He has shared with us his story. We are witnesses. As those who are filled with good news, is it not then our responsibility to share that good news with others?